Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design in Melbourne at RMIT University, and welcome to the program. I'm with architect Tim Horton, who's the registrar of the New South Wales Architects Registration Board. He's also the series host of a new program that's about to start July 15 on Channel 10, free to air. It's a nine-part series, and it's called Australia by Design. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Stephen. It's very nice to meet. And welcome to Melbourne. Thank you. Because you're based in Sydney. I am, but you've got blue skies here too. Yes, we have, and uh, we've got great architecture, of course. You do. I've been seeing some of it just this morning. So welcome to the program. Tim, Getting arch- there's a lot of architecture shows on mm. at the moment, mm. and um, you must have seen your fair share. Mm-hmm. Some of them are great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm particularly fond of Restoration Home. Mm-hmm. But some of them are a bit, mm. you know, I think, what's the point? Yep. And some of them are a little bit, you know, you kind of think, how, you know, some of the presenters get excited over something that's not particularly exciting. <laughs> right. How do you get, architecture's generally being considered quite elitist. Mm. And shows like these are actually kind of bringing down the, the discussion to a broader audience, obviously. Mm. Yes. How do you do that? So I think the way we're talking about it is that we don't seek to compromise, but we seek to distill, if that makes sense. So how do you bring an essence of the place and of the act, of the idea, of the the move that the architect has made here into something that makes sense? Now, I actually think, forgive me, I think Twitter is a really great tool for practice. How do we condense, how do we distill into something that is short and digestible, that introduces us and asks us a question that might encourage us to look further, if you know what I mean. So I think the show is trying to not um, dumb down the language, but the, ch- the, the show is actually seeking to distill what it is about architecture through its projects mm-hmm. that represents the value that architecture brings to a street and to a, a family, for example. The In terms of... You're working with government architects mm. in every state. That already elevates the whole discussion. Yep. Yep. And they will obviously be in, integral to the selection process yes. of what we're actually looking at. So the standard yep. should be very high, correct? The standard is not only high, but the breadth is extraordinary. So the show with its nine episodes means 80 projects from around Australia, every state and territory. That is brings 80 projects together, 16 presenters, uh, in every state and territory that has one is the government architect presenting the show alongside an architect taken from the private sector. And they work together on what are the 10 projects and what do the 10 projects say about the place. So there's generally a mix. It's a really lovely cross-section through each one of the states and territories. Projects that may be homes, projects that aren't homes. We've got bridges. We've got bridges. So we've got our infrastructure. We've got the library. Uh, We've got libraries, I should say. Let's be a little bit cheeky uh, and tease for a while about exactly which projects we've got. Um, We've got homes that range across different scales, so some of them are, if you like, affordable on tight sites, if you like, the the terrace renovation, Mm. right through to um, pretty gorgeous luxury things that architects do get to exercise and experiment on from time to time. But it comes back to the government architects leading that which gives us some quality control and the assurance of that. Every project is architect designed and in every instance we seek to talk to the architect in the project, in the home or on the the bridge, 
about uh, what it is that drove the project. So what are some of the common threads you hope people Mm. will take away with them? So there's obviously a strong idea to start with, but what are some of the links that if I said there's a project in Victoria and a project in New South Wales, they might look quite different on television, but what do you see as a link between some of these projects? Great question. For all of the 80 projects in all of the different, if you like, climatic zones that we are in, um, for all the smarts and for all the budgets, actually it comes back to the basics. Generally there is a discussion about sun and about treating climate. So we've discovered, not surprisingly, that in Darwin it is about the big roof Mm. to keep the sun off and the rain out for example. In Canberra, it's how do you look north while you may be facing south so that you can suck that sun in and Mm -hmm. store it. Mm -hmm. So um, for all the difference in the variation, and there are many, there are some common elements in there. There's also, we've been joking, Stephen, actually, me and the production house, Mm -hmm. about doing a little bit of a 20 things we learned out of this. And they are more about reaching into the architect's toolbox and explaining the methods a bit more. Mm. So we learnt just yesterday in speaking to a wonderful, well-known Victorian architect. Can you give me a clue? Um, mm. uh, well, yeah, his name's John. Very generous. Thanks for that. And he was t- he was talking to us about the... Um, sorry, we were talking to John Wardle, okay? And uh, a magnificent view across to a horizon that was just endless. And... Uh, Of course, what did he do? What he does well, he framed the view. In each of the rooms, he framed it differently. And so that was a way of drawing out that as a technique. Mm. Don't reveal it all at once. Mm. Um, And you think a lot of the projects in this series take that approach? They do. They're selective about what is revealed when and how. So architects will often talk about how they move through the home, for example. We were at a place that's just this morning, um, small, modest home with the guys from Architecture Architecture, and they dropped in a gigantic, generous, bright, white courtyard, um, you know, one room back off a very modest terrace. And so what it was able to do was to give natural daylight and access to natural ventilation, simple, simple things, mm. to three rooms of the home, a really simple move. So being selective, being surgical, if you like, about the moves that you make and being able to point to them mm. comes back to the idea of distilling the big idea and then showing how the logic of everything else falls into place because of those big ideas. Mm. I think a lot of the shows that you were talking about if you like, forgive me, the renovation rumbles, is that they are about what you're seeing. They're not about a big idea. Mm. And so whether the wall is purple or crinkle cut with a piece of something or other, really it comes from where I don't know. Mm. And it's lovely to talk to architects and the homeowners about what it is that drives them to use the house, finding the sunny position in the, you know, in wintertime and being able to close something down so that in summer it's no longer a heat trap. You know, these sorts of things, which are wonderful, gentle concepts that I do think people understand intuitively. So for the presenters in Melbourne, I can say Mm. that Jill Garner, who's the government architect in Victoria, Mm. 
because we're a Melbourne-based yep. show, yep. Yep. is working closely with Peter Malat, who's yes. the director of Six Degrees yes. Architects, both very well respected. Yep, uh, that is the, that's been revealed for the first time on the show, Steve. Oh, well, that's going to bump ratings <laughs> right up. Um, so there must be interesting, the conversations, these two, and yep. the different government architects in the different states yep. and the key pres- yep. people presenting. Yep actually have in terms of what they're looking at. Yeah, and that maybe invites me to talk a bit about the format. So um, Jill and Peter have been a fantastic team, not only selecting the projects and understanding what they say about the state of architecture in Victoria, but also then uh, part of their role is to assemble a jury of industry leaders, as we call them. And so the way I put it is these are people from across the design, make and sell part of architecture, if you like. So... Uh, That does mean that we'll have a real estate agent, for example, or we'll have a lawyer, or we'll have a quantity surveyor, for instance. We have had Ken Slattery, who is known across the industry from the Cement and Concrete Association, who have been publishing Mm. C C plus A for a long time. Many of your listeners will have seen that gorgeous publication. Edited by Joe Rollo, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, who again is known in the industry. So these are, you know, we we get those industry leaders together to form a jury, in essence. Now, this is not an August awards program. This is a show for the telly. And so you need a format. One of the things I've learned is you need a format to be on TV. So the way that's simply done is from the 10 projects that are assembled, with the jury that's assembled, each project is counted 10 down to 1. And so across the two half-hour episodes, what you've got is this is project number 10 and its strengths are this and it's doing this and the jury like that. Number nine is right up to number one. Mm-hmm. So, so who's um, number one, Tim? Ha-ha-ha, if only you knew. It's stunning. It's remarkable, and I mean that. Mm. It's a project I'd never seen, I'd not known about in Melbourne, and I keep a pretty close eye mm. on these sorts of things. What does it look like? Give me um, a clue. So if I can say Jill and Peter's top ten were striking. They were very strong in single block use of colour and material. So if you like, there is the project that is defined by wood. There is the project that is defined by concrete, if you like. And there is a project that is sort of known for its threaded steel, if I can put it like that. So it's quite interesting to see the 10 projects and to see firstly how striking they are as elevational forms. Um, uh, how sharply presented they were in the f- in the fine detailing. Now that is, for example, that is different, I think, to some of the work we saw in the Northern Territory, which is absolutely about opening up and allowing. We would have had Tropo al- in there. We had Tropo in there. We have a very funny exchange um, between um, Phil Harris from Tropo and one of the presenters up there, Steve Huntingford. So you're already getting all this out of me, Stephen. Sorry. Um, and it's um, uh, there. It's a much more informal and casual architecture. I think it is about sort of getting that roof, get it, get the roof up, get the walls out of the way, and allow the landscape to kind of just take over. Tim, from what I'm hearing, this is a slightly higher discussion, even though it's a it's a very commercial format because people love to know from ten to one, even if it's you know the yep. top ten songs of all time yep. or the yep. top. Yep. the worst fashion mistakes yep. of all time. Yep. Um, you can even argue with a top ten. You rubbish! Can, rubbish! Yes. Screaming from your living room. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I think this is rubbish. But I think there's something lovely. You're kind of empowering the dis- architects with a voice, which really has been missing with a lot of programs, and I won't be mentioning them because that, I don't want to get sued, but there's an awful lot of makeover programs at the yep. moment, you know, competitions, knock-up walls, you know, yep. quick, quick, quick. It's actually quite exhausting. I've never understood yep. the 
the popularity of such shows because I kind of think, what do you learn at the end? What do you learn at the end of um, Australia by Design? Great. Architects, yeah. yeah, Australia by Design. What do you learn? What would you like people to walk away from after seeing the series? So one of the things that we shot this morning, so forgive me, I'm going to answer with something from only a few hours ago, was a story really about the reinvention of the workers' cottage. And what the show is seeking to do, if I can say for your listeners, is a small piece of advocacy and leave the, the, the viewer with an idea um, of how thinking occurs in a designer's mind. <clears throat> and this came... Uh, so we saw that in this workers' cottage that's been transformed in very modest ways and completely rebuilt. And so the question at the front in a single-storey, newly rebuilt um, uh, workers' cottage is how do you work modestly and respectfully with a street that is effectively a character street, conservation area, for example, picking up the elements that we would expect, the stepped parapet, the element of ornamentation rethought in a contemporary sense, the awning or the porch, if you like, the centre window, the side door entry, all those elements that mm. the show is seeking to, and actually states, like I just have, what it is that makes up the front composition, but we don't use that word. And so we're asking the viewers to look at the elements that make up the architecture around them. We're trying to give them the tools for them to be left with, if you like, a way to interrogate the world around them differently, better, and in more in, in a more informed way, supported by, if you like, gorgeous visuals. So the subliminal message is to give people the tools. The hope is to give people the tools to be more informed consumers of architecture, and, if I can yeah. say that. I mean, I think what I find, you know, there's an awful lot of magazines out on the moment, there's newspapers, everyone tries to tackle architecture, but television is quite a wonderful medium where you actually do feel like you walk through a space. Mm. You actually get a yep. sense of the space. And to see an architect, whether you like that person, him or her, is also important, I find. So even having them on the show, yep. people can make up their own mind whether that architect or designer is actually right for them. Yep. So that's the $64,000 question. In my day job as a registrar, <clears throat> I'm often dealing with homeowners who are ringing with questions about working with an architect. So I get the, forgive a crass term, I get the customer's view on the service. And what we often find is while every architect has, if you like, the same skill set, not every architect shares the same mindset or approach. So there is a there is a business model out there, Stephen, mm. for somebody to be the introduction agency between the right homeowner and the right architect who can work together. I hear that every day as yep. well. That yep. you know, and that's probably the problem with the media at the moment is that people don't know how to choose an architect. Yep. I think it's one of the most important things. That it's basically a long period. It could be two, three years, even longer. Yep. If you're not compatible. If you're not on the same page, inverted commas, yep. it's actually a very difficult process. I personally have thought of several times in my life, yep. in my career yep. of establishing a consultancy where you'd actually bridge the two because yep. you can be a talented architect, but you might be right for Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yep. And you can like the work and not get on with the architect, if you like. And so this is this weird conundrum which reminds us that we're all human and slightly irrational after all and so of course what we see on this show is none of that what we do see is some very good architects who are able to then talk about the moves that they've that they've made 
Um, so this morning, again, talking with Michael from Architecture Architecture, he was quite uh, gifted, I must say, at picking up television as a medium that, again, condenses and distills and asks you to know to leave the preamble at the door. Okay, so we, we the jargon. Do, leave the jargon, uh, and don't and don't qualify your language if you know what I mean. That doesn't mean that we are base or extreme or, if you like, you know, crude about the way we're talking through the concepts. But just get me to the concept if you know mm-hmm. what I mean, and stand in the space. And as you say, television allows architecture to be seen and experienced as a spatial as a spatial thing. Mm-hmm. I think what we're seeing on some social media platforms is that architects are beginning to get that right. We're seeing Instagram being used for its for its animation, you know, mm. for the up, the video upload, for example. I think we are seeing architects then move from relying on the photographer alone for the flat shot, as gorgeous as they are, moving into storytelling. And this, I think, is what television can do. It's it's understanding how a story is designed, like a building is designed how you design the story, what it is that you're telling, and how we sequence the story. And so that's the thing I'm learning from the guys behind Australia by Design, is how you put the story together. And it's a really interesting training, I think, for architects. And that could unlock a new generation of people who are understanding the media that they use, which is, let's face it, CAD, fly-through. We're all very used to setting the camera angle for that fly-through and the animation. Taking it then into storytelling, I think, is the bit that only some architects understand the potential that lies therein. Because from my experience, I think architecture is about storytelling. You can walk into a place, you can not quite get it. It can feel quite different from what you're normally used to because that's why you employ an architect. It takes you... If they're going to just do a glass box at the back of a house, anyone can do that. So it is telling that story and justifying your position in a way that doesn't sound like you're selling. It's yep. almost this yep. rational approach as to why certain yep. things have done, been yep. done. And a lot of architects don't like that. They don't like to be yep. questioned. It's almost like, well, why are you challenging me? But I don't think it's challenging. I think people just don't know. True, and I think architects, you know, I think the the design process that architects develop becomes so second nature to them, it becomes understandably difficult to then articulate it is very difficult to stand distant from oneself and to describe how one works. Mm. Um, so I think having um, my role and having, say, Jill and Peter in, in Victoria is providing that distance to be able to ask, if you like, the architect to be reflective about how they got to what we're seeing. And, you know, again, it's that question of the how, not just mm. the what. So. Um, now, Tim, you don't have to tell everyone, but you can tell me, what was your favourite place that you've been involved in so far? What's um, the house that's really given you an adrenaline rush? The hairs on the back of your neck, you know, stood up and you said, even if it doesn't win, it's something that I will remember for a very long time. No one's listening. That's right. No one's listening. Um, was there one that project without giving in any too many clues? Was there something that... You thought, well, this is actually a paradigm shift in architecture. I've never seen anything like this before. So the number one in Victoria is is probably that. It was the one that probably deserved its place. Um, and that was, I would say that that was something I had to, I, I had difficulty understanding it was in Australia. I had a special difficulty understanding it was in Victoria. Um, it's striking. It is actually a collaboration between an overseas architect and a, and a local. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> Don't give me too much. No, 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 no. I think there might be a few people listening. Right, do you? Okay. I think there might be. You um, can tell me. You can write it down afterwards. I will. But I think it's 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 the surprises, knowing that many of us do, you know, hungrily consume the images and the imagery from various awards programs and televisions and the things that appears, as you say, in in-flight magazines and so forth. And so there's a lot of projects that we become quite familiar with. It's a bit like the Oscar territory in, in the US where the, the PR goes up just before the, the Oscars uh, in the hope of giving it a better chance of a win. So you do often see projects then repeated very often in, um, when, they're, when, they're come, when they've come to fruition. So being surprised by projects is quite a lovely thing for someone so ingrained in sort of architecture and design. Yeah. Now, look, I think in, not just in Victoria, because this is, uh, I think Australia-wide, we have an extraordinary architecture yep. and travelling as much as I do, I always feel very fortunate to really see what's happening down under. Mm. And it is very different. Mm. It is, the context is completely different, whether you're in, you know, Northern Territory yep. or WA or Sydney. Yep. You know, there is a different feel. Yep. And you can't quite put your finger on it, but it is quite special. And we hope that by assembling 80 projects, that only after those nine episodes will we be able to stand back and say, I think we've just learned something. This is what we think we've learned. Now, part of that may be described as regionalism or whatever, but I think there's more than that as well. So I'm interested in what materials people use to build from, if you like, mm-hmm. and um, if there's a difference, why is there a difference? And you, Tim, one last question. Do you think there's a, a trend to simplification that we've become, you know, as things get more challenging, as price of land goes up, the scarcity of land, that architects are actually standing back a bit and thinking, well, we don't have to be over-designing. You know, it doesn't have to scream mm. at us all mm. the time. I think there's a few moves happening that are that are really good. I think there is a question really about where our stuff comes from. And so I think if you do look at, forgive me, the average house on the fringe, um, you'll find that, say, 70% of its materials come from offshore somewhere else. Now, we're finding that Window sills are made of polystyrene and rendered over, for example. Um, what goes into making our architecture is, I think, a question that not enough of us engage with. I think if you look at the average home designed by an architect, 70% of the materials have come within probably 25 to 50 kilometres of the, of the site. That is partly knowing why it's important as to what material goes where and why. It's what we're seeing reflected when we talk to architects, that the materials mean something, if you like. And I think that is there's a there's an ethical dimension to that, which then flows into being careful and selective about material use and resource use as well. So we're coming back to fairly simple principles of passive design, for example, making sure that at the right time of year the sun hits the concrete slab because it holds it. For all of the smarts and all the tech and all the cleverness, it's really lovely to see, in fact, some things remain, um, you know, the same. Look, Tim, it's been a pleasure having you on my program. I'll be watching it very carefully um, from series to series, you know, from program to program. And uh, I'll try and work out what I think, which one I think is the winner. Do. And um, for anyone on social media, the hashtag is hashtag AU by design. And I hate to tell you, but there's been some leaking behind the scenes on some social media platforms. So you can start now. 
You've been uh, listening to Tim Horton, Registrar of the New South Wales Architect Registration Board and uh, the series host of Australia by Design, and you've been listening to Stephen Crafty talking design at RMIT University in Melbourne. Thanks so much for listening.